peaceful protest. We walking, raising awareness. Some of the injustice that we've been seeing is not okay. And as a young person, you gotta you gotta listen to our perspective. Our voices need to be heard. People are gonna look back. Our kids are gonna look back at this and say, "You were a part of that." I got a grandfather that marched next to Dr. King in the '60s, and he was amazing. He would be proud to see us all here. We gotta keep pushing forward. Sports are like the reward of a functional society. Sirius XM Sports presents Forward Progress, a weekly open conversation on race and sports in America. Here are your hosts, Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. Back together and ready to tackle another great week of dynamics here on the program. Kirk Morrison, Jason Jackson, and we had one of the oddities that I've ever experienced in my time covering this league, Kirk, that we'll get to in just a second. Uh, I do want to note that uh, Stephanie Reddy, one of my favorite colleagues uh, okay. coming from the association, uh, now uh, we, we came into the league at the same time at 04 okay. <laughs> uh, in the same division. She was uh, the, the host and reporter for the then Charlotte Bobcats, uh, made the transition into the Jordan era from the Johnson era, and now <laughs> is in Atlanta as one of the great hosts and reporters for Turner Sports. She was a part of a magnificent HBCU uh, showcase, we'll call it, uh, yeah. this past week that we'll discuss with her in just a little bit. Uh, but it's not often, particularly in the NBA, that you have the oddity that we saw this past week. We see coaches get fired midseason all the time. Right. But what we tend to see, Kirk, is the person next on the bench with the most tenure or experience or interviews to be a head coach in other spaces get that opportunity. That was not the case with the Minnesota Timberwolves. They take uh, the step to get rid of Ryan Saunders, uh, son of the late great Flip Saunders. And uh, make a move, reach outside of the organization. Um, and, and here's my thing. I don't begrudge anybody for getting an opportunity. Um, I tend to stay out of people's business in their hiring. And particularly in the NBA, because for the most part, while the numbers are still off in the sense of uh, African-Americans and people of color getting opportunities, it's still better than every other league. I'll give you that. I'll give you that, sir. But, but with that being said, and, and even before we started recording Wednesday, um, even the coaches association had to take a stand. Um, there are not written rules on how coaches uh, organizations are to go about uh, diversity inclusion. Um, it's just the NBA's way. Not like the Rooney rule in, in uh, the national football league um, that, we find isn't seeding the, the, the ground the way it ought to. But right. um, what was your reaction when you heard the story? And, and then I want to get into maybe some solutions to help out the, the process. Um, <laughs> surprise is one word, obviously. And I think, Jason, the biggest surprise is that, like you mentioned, when a coach is relieved of his duties for that particular team, it goes to the next in line. Right. It goes to the next coach on the bench. Right. The guy who sits in the second chair or maybe the third chair in the NFL usually goes to the assistant head coach or it goes to you know a high ranking person on that coaching staff to kind of keep the ship afloat 
until after the season. And then obviously on an interim level, if things work out, people like the direction we have seen ownership say, okay, we kind of like the way the team was going. We're going to kind of stick with what we had. We, we just needed a, a new voice at head coach. I understand that wholeheartedly. I get that part. But when you go outside of your team and go grab somebody else from their team, that's where I lost it, Jason. Like, that's where I – it's just like you can't like, – <laughs> like, come on, man. That's just like a CEO or, you know, a, a managing partner or someone else in just regular business decided that, you know what, we're going to f- relieve this guy. But we want to go over to this next company and bring his replacement in from outside of our company instead of hiring from within. Jason, it's one thing if it happened after a fiscal year, after a season, but this happened in season. So how does that even dialogue even if that's not tampering, Jason, I don't know what is. <laughs> is is it that tampering? Hey, the guess quickest what? call in the history of uh dynamics. Now listen, I've come to learn as a team employee, there is so much that happens <laughs> that we don't see, right? Come on, and man. There there is a previous relationship with uh the general manager in Minneapolis and the new head coach, Chris Finch. And, and I like those relate. I, I right. those those feel good. You're bringing. Hey, when I get my opportunity, you're my guy. These are conversations that are had because of a, a, an appreciation and connection. It's also dangerous. Yeah, because oftentimes, um, and, and what has fed this over the years is that sometimes those relationships don't include African American coaches. Correct. Too many times they don't include African American coaches, and I know the general manager uh, in 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 Minnesota is a man of color, and um, probably didn't see this coming. There was probably a feeling that man, people are going to see how you can stream like this, man. We're we're <laughs> we're cutting the edge on this, and then the blowback, which by the way, give uh, your boy, okay, Damian Lillard, credit. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was out there before Timberwolves players were even talking. Because <laughs> you gotta be it's, it's, David Vanderpool getting an opportunity when he's sitting right there. But Jackson, it's, it's not right. I mean, to be honest, let's be real. Um, it's not right. Like you, you can do this at the end of the year, and and trust me, Timberwolves are not going to make the playoffs this year. <laughs> They're not winning the NBA championship for all those out there listening. It's like that they had to go get this coach before someone got him in the offseason. No, it wasn't like that at all. But from what I can gather, that yeah, it's an opportunity that saw itself. And I just don't know how that dynamic, what that will do going forward. What will that do for other guys who possible free agents, people within the team and organization? Yes, look, sometimes you have great guys at head coach. And you know what? It just doesn't work out philosophically or the message is not being reached. Doesn't say they're a bad person, but obviously you have to move on. Jason, I played for um, five coaches in six years. And if you think about my last two years in Buffalo, I actually did have Chen Gailey for my last two years. And after I retired, he was actually fired after my last season anyway. So in all, six head coaches in eight seasons for myself. But I'm thinking if I had something like this sort of happen, because I have had that coach who was fired, okay, in Lane Kiffin, 2008, he was fired. But Tom Cable, who was our offensive line coach, assistant head coach, he elevated and was the interim head coach. And the job went to him. He ended up retaining the job for the 2009 season. But that's the way that I've always come to know 
Jason. That's what I've come to know. This different, this this way of uh, that just happened. I I, de- I definitely know that we won't see that again because that has kind of thrown a lot more people off than expected. Because you just don't do that. You don't hire from someone else to bring over to your organization in season. Here's another thing, and I'm sure you've probably been a part of this as well. <laughs> Here's the face of the franchise, Carl Anthony Towns, who we, who we know has, has been injured and dealt with COVID. Yeah. Um, a difficult dude, year for sure. He found out just like you and I did. <laughs> I mean, That's the worst. That, but that, it's next level. It's just, what roster is smaller than an NBA roster? You can't get on the phone tree. Remember the old phone tree? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'll call Cat. All right, Cat, you got two people. Then after that, uh, D'Angelo, you got five people you call. Like, just something, man. Like, it, it's you so know, sloppy. Wow. But you know what? We're going through that right now in the NFL, too, Jason. We're going that couple weeks ago. You kind of heard the the the, the uh, pushback from Russell Wilson say, hey, I want to kind of be involved with some of the decisions that are being made in terms of players or what's going on in the organization as the starting quarterback or in Carl Anthony Towns's case as the franchise player, he's earned that right to have a, I guess a little bit, an ear to the, to the owner, Jason, like you tell me if I'm right or if I'm wrong, like I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I, I want to keep this guy. I, I want him to always feel like we're welcome. Cause didn't you go through that with Kevin Garnett? Like the organization needs to figure it out. Like you can't keep going down this road. It, it's pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable. And, and again, I don't feel like there's any malice at play here. No, not at right? all. I just feel like there's a better way. It's a protocol, an unwritten it's rule. It's about right? who you say you are as a team. Yeah. Who you are as a league. The most progressive league there is. Seven black coaches in the NBA among its 30 teams. Uh, but it's hard to crack that last seat, man. Uh, yeah. If you didn't play, it, it and you're coming up the ranks, yeah. how long did it take Steven Silas and his daddy Played in this league and coached yeah. in this league. Trust 20 me. years. That was my neighbor when I was with the Raiders. <laughs> when he coached in Oakland with yeah. the Golden State Warriors. So I remember years. Steven. And yeah. he's got the legacy. That dude, that dude was a grinder. I mean, he Come was on, third, second, finally got the first chair. But I've watched those types of guys and how long it took him to get there. And I think it, in any business, but more so professional sports, it always hurts when you feel that there are some other qualified guys that you wish they really had an opportunity to show what they can do to say, Hey, look, let me at least interview, at least have an opportunity to say I interview for the job. You're killing it. You're killing it right there. That's the thing. Cause sometimes you need an interview or two just to kind of get your footing, understand what type of presentation you really should be putting together, asking the right questions of organizations, right? That these are interviews that go, Two ways rather than just one. Yeah. Well, there's coaches that I know I've been around that I know that if you interviewed them, he would knock it out the park. But nationally, it's not perceived as the right hire yet. Coaching is, I mean, people think coaching is, is actually extremely difficult. And Jason, I'm not trying to say that it's not, but there are some who are really good at it. 
there are some guys who are X's and O guys, but a coach to me, outside of being an X's and O guy, has to be a great motivator, a great teacher. Those are what the best coaches see. I mean, you're involved with a guy who had to come up through the ranks, right? In in in, in, in Spolstra, but he's a great teacher. You you learn something. Like he's a great motivator. Those are things that I find with coaches in that. Sometimes I just want certain guys to get that opportunity. And I think what holds some of the African-American coaches back is sometimes being that former player, you know, the ownership may not feel like it's their time or, you know what, they always consider you the player and not necessarily the head coach where I think that guys like a Doc Rivers have sort of you forgetting about his playing career almost to where you just view him as a coach. But I still know him as Doc Rivers, who played basketball, not necessarily always just a head coach. Let me let me put some kindling in this fire right Uh-oh, now. Here you go. Because here's the thing: I want to be clear with someone who's sitting there fuming at Kirk Jacks. We're not, we're handing out jobs. No, no, no. Talking about absolutely. We're talking about opportunities to be in the room to prove that you have the experience, the temperament, right. the creativity the social skills to do this job. And if other people are getting it before they get that experience, why is it someone that's sitting there and happens to represent initiatives that you claim are yours? This is uh, a quote given to our buddy, Mark J. Spears of ESPN, uh, unnamed black NBA head coach. So it's yeah. one of seven people we can get that there. <laughs> we can narrow that down. Quick. Exactly. So here's the quote. <laughs> It's typical of the black coaching experience in the NBA, talking about what happened to Dave Van. Right. They use your skill set during the difficult times, but when it's time to reward you with an opportunity that always seems to find a reason, they always seem to find a reason, I should say, to not. And they expect you to continue to be the good soldier. Now, I'm going to connect that, by the way, with a statement that was made by uh, Gerson Rosas, the, the general manager vice pre- and president of the Wolves, I should know. Quote, I know there are more hurdles for minorities. I had to leap over those personally, and it's why I put internal programs in place to help all of our staff be prepared for the next step. I know David's day will come. Let's decode that for a little bit. Mm. David's not ready, or your programs don't work. Yeah. Mm, that's 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 a difficult one there. Right. If you've got a, internal programs in place. Right. And I know David hasn't been there forever, right? But if that's the case, then your mechanisms should have already been in place. Listen, say what you're gonna say. When we were together, when Chris and I were together previously, we yeah. had this pat. I get my opportunity, I'm bringing you with me. I like the way he gets down. I've heard good things about him, what he's right. doing in Toronto. All his other interviews have gone well. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Blase, blase. Tell me what you need to tell me. Yeah. Absolutely. Why not? But then don't, but then don't tell me this. Yeah. Don't, don't, you, can't, you can't go back, right? Um, I get it. It's, we always say it's uh, the good old boys network. You know what I mean? But for guys who do come up, whether it's high school or college, it's, I've always said this. If you are going to go into a foxhole, you're going to bring the guy who you know and who you trust, right? And if you're not sure, sometimes then you go through that process of having dinner, sitting down, interviewing, and you go through that process. But 
I, I, I see kind of what he was saying, but at the same time, it's just there's a way of doing it. And this one sort of backfired on him a little bit here. You, you can't you can't do it this way. And I, I get it. Look, you get a job. Hey, I'm bringing you along with me. But I can't do it in the middle of the season. <laughs> like, I'll see you at the end of the season because now you got guys on staff who are coaching for the previous coach. And now you got to come in that whole dynamic. Like, am I going to be a part of the staff next year? So I'm looking over here and look, Jack's always said this. This is where those office conversations are with the door closed. Yeah, man. He like he trying to run this system, man. I don't know if this is for me. So, hey, let me. This were those backdoor conversations now come because a guy has joined a team with players he doesn't know and a coaching staff that was hired by the previous coach. So the players, I should say, the coaches' association weighed in, mm. and uh, they didn't come in here lightly. <laughs> They start off, you know, because they have to be careful. They, their own ranks are a part of this, right? Right. Here's their statement. It's always bittersweet when one coach is fired and another is hired. But this is not about individual coaches. We would be remiss not to acknowledge a deeper concern and level of disappointment with the Minnesota head coach hiring process. The National Basketball Coaches Association understands and respects each organization's right to hire and fire whomever and whenever it chooses. But... It is also our responsibility to point out when an organization fails to conduct a thorough and transparent search of candidates from a wide range of diverse backgrounds. They note also that uh, they're working closely with the league office on a wide range of initiatives that will improve future coaching searches. In partnership with the NBA, they look forward to sharing details in the weeks to come. So, Probably going to be, this is a situation that's got to be legislated to make sure that it's fair and equitable. Yeah, and, and this will be fixed. Um, like I said, the reason why we're talking about it because we have never seen this before. I know I haven't. And so now this is something I think now the NBA, the NBA Player Association, the Coach Association, everybody, we got we to come together, fellas. We got to come together and figure this out because we can't allow this to happen again. Um, look, it's the Timberwolves. And I don't think people are like too like going crazy in terms of like this was a game changing move that would put them over the top. But we're doing this so that it, it doesn't happen again. Right. Because I, I remember uh, and you can help me out here, Jax. Hopefully I don't get you in trouble. But there, there was that point. Remember where I believe. Who was the coach in Miami? And then Pat Riley had to step in and say, hold on, big yeah, dog, well, I got this. <laughs> that was a unique dynamic. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. That Coach Van Gundy. Yeah, Van Gundy. Stan. Yeah, Stan. Uh, big dog, I appreciate your effort, but I'm just going to handle this. Okay, I'm going to take this off. And now they won a championship, rightfully. It's a little, little bit different when it's the boss <laughs> yeah, coming down with all them rings already, right? <laughs> but see, it's different, and I understood it, and I get it. And he hired from within. So I was just laughing, bringing, bringing light to the situation because – this was a totally different dynamic that we had not seen in season grabbing someone else from outside of your organization. And, and before we break, how interesting mm-hmm. it had to have been for the Raptors, right? Because well, you're not, who's going to stand in the way of someone getting <laughs> the ultimate job? And it's like, yeah, 
we're, we're trying to work this out here right now. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they went on a nice little run last couple of weeks watching them play some hoops, man. Getting ben back Fleet to 500, and, absolutely. Yeah, and Siakam, and then all of a sudden now, but that's what happens. Success also, people are saying, how are you doing it? Because remember, we know that Toronto is doing it down in Tampa. So they're the Tampa, Tampa, Tampa Raptors. They're getting it done, and people are taking notice. Well, listen, when we come back, we will turn our attention to a fantastic event that occurred this week. And the folks at NBA TV were super awesome in spearheading that situation, a showcase of historically black college basketball. Uh, and the lead host for all of that was Stephanie Reddy. She's with us on Forward Progress when we get back. You're listening to Forward Progress on Sirius XM Radio. As advertised, a true television star now on the program. Forward Progress pushes forward with one of the great broadcasters, one of the great athletes, one of the great barrier boundary busters. <laughs> Stephanie Reddy on the program with Kirk and Jack. Stephanie, it's great to have you with us. This is NBA TV this week televised back-to-back live Division One women's and men's basketball games yeah. uh, from the uh, Southwestern Athletic Conference. Uh, I believe it was Grambling and Jackson. And it was super cool in my household. Uh, my, my youngest is being recruited by FAMU, and he's just entirely intrigued by a part of our culture that I'll crush Sherelle and I. We, we did not have that as as the carrot that was dangling in front, but with everything that went down last summer yeah. and basketball contemporaries of his own uh, in the class of 21 um, are changing the game, literally, um, by by pinpointing, including in their recruiting process. Matter of fact, family's at the top of his list. Go Rattlers. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> come on now, Rattlers. You know what to do. Anyway, with all that being said, it was great for them to sit down and see this and and really embrace the storytelling uh, that you all had in pregame and, and halftime and postgame on top of the game itself. How happy were you to be a part of this? You know, I was ecstatic. I was through the roof. Um, being an HBCU alum myself, I was thrilled. You know, I went to Coppin State. I played basketball there. And as you know, I coached with the men's team under Fang Mitchell for two seasons at Coppin State. So it is in me. Um, and we certainly didn't have any of this exposure, even at the height of Coppin State's excellence. When Fang Mitchell was a household name and everybody knew them to be the underdogs, um, even at that level of exposure, nothing compared to this. I mean, I was so... I don't, I don't want to sound corny and kitschy, but I was, I was touched by the whole thing because NBA TV and the, the Turner family now under the Warner media umbrella has really made a conscious effort to have inclusion be part of not just, you know, a press release, a part of their day-to-day living. And to me, it is so special that I'm even included in that family so to be a part of that day on NBA TV where we showcase Jackson State and Grambling State, two members of the SWAC, the women, as you said, and the men, I was, I mean, thrilled and joyful. It doesn't even do it justice. I was completely over the moon excited about the idea of it. 
And then when we executed it and we had all those guests on, I mean, all day long, we had Doug Williams on, we had Deion Sanders, we had the commissioner of the SWAC. I mean, it was just guest after guest. And as you mentioned, storytelling and an opportunity for people who do not have exposure to HBCUs to see just a glimpse of what it's like. I mean, we obviously didn't do it justice just a few hours on the air. But it gave people a little glimpse into what life can be like on the yard, as we say. <laughs> and even had the Jackson State Sonic Boom Band yeah. showing a little something. So, I mean, I, I loved the whole day. Absolutely. And I have, as a distinguished member of Kappa Alpha Psi, I just want to throw that out there before we even started. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, Stephanie, I, I think that with the alternate viewing um, that NBA TV is truly just basketball, whether it's college, whether it's high school. And I think now you're starting to see the expansion of people just want to watch basketball. And sometimes it doesn't matter who it is, but to have these storied universities uh, go out there and sort of tell the story and to see the basketball, how competitive and everything is, definitely it felt like this won't be the last time. And I know, look, Jackson State is dominant. They've dominated this past weekend from football, women's <laughs> basketball, men's basketball, but obviously it did bring more eyeballs to it. And what was your biggest takeaway from just the competitiveness of these games? Well, for me, you know, being an alum of, of the MIAC, so not the SWAC, not but the in SWAC. the MIAC, yeah. Division One, also, just to put that out there. And just in case you're wondering, this Wheaties box, this is a Coppin State <laughs> Wheaties box. Love it. I'm not on it, but Love the guys it. are on there from back in the day. Um, it was it was tremendous for me to see the competition. I mean, you have players like um, Amisha Williams, who plays for Jackson State, their center, who was, before the season started, listed on the Lisa Leslie watch list for the best centers in the nation. Mm. She leads the nation in the center category in so many categories. Points, rebounds, double-doubles, you name it, block shots. She is a dominant force. And yes, she is in the SWAC, but her numbers carry her beyond the SWAC. So you can compare her to other great centers in the, in the country. Um, and then what I was thrilled most about was that we saw some other players who maybe were not household names really show that they can play the game too. We saw three point shooting in the first half of the women's game that, uh, when I was in college, we weren't shooting like that. <laughs> so, so I was thrilled that the ladies were showing up and showing out for all the eyeballs that were on NBA TV. Turner Sports host and reporter Stephanie Reddy with us here on Forward Progress. Uh, Stephanie, these moments are unique. So twofold. One, is there a feeling that this can and will become a tradition uh, during Black History Month for, for NBA TV? Then the next layer of that is as you're going through your preparation or maybe even just sitting there listening to games or the folks on the set with you, where there's some stories or dynamics that emerge even for you, even though you're from this community, that, that were new and unique. Um, okay, for the first question, I, I hope that we will see more of these games. And, and I will point out, too, that this was a historic day. And it wasn't just because they were HBCUs. NBA TV had never, ever broadcast a college basketball game on their air. So this was huge. That the first time they decided to do it, they picked two games, one women, one men, and they were both HBCUs. So that's the first thing. I think the success of the day will probably lend the higher ups to think, hey, this was a good idea. It was very well received. Let's do this again. Yeah. Um, if my phone was any indicator, then that would be the case because I got a lot of text messages after the day from people, you know, my my bosses above me 
saying it was an incredible day and everyone really enjoyed it. So I am hopeful that this will not be the only time that um, NBA TV will air college basketball, specifically HBCU college basketball. Um, in terms of things that I got out of it, um, you know, having gone to Coppin State right in Baltimore, I, I have a lot of exposure to a lot of things that are HBCU. Um, so there wasn't a lot that I learned per se, but I will say this. The thing that I did get out of it was that these, as you mentioned, young athletes are taking control of their own destiny. And instead of thinking, okay, what can this college or university do for me? Some of them are thinking, what can I do for them? When you look at uh, Howard University, you know, making that huge sign. And then you look at uh, Mikey Williams, who might be signing to an HBCU. He's already narrowed down his list and he's got several on there. Um, understanding that they have a voice and a platform. And even if they decide not to go ultimately to that school, just including them on their final list of 10 or of five provides so much exposure for these schools that other athletes will now look to them. Because when I was coming out of college and you wanted to be an athlete in terms of going to Division One, you weren't necessarily considering the HBCUs at the top of your list. Um, and most of that is just because you just didn't know. The exposure wasn't there. Um, you thought that a lot of the HBCUs might have been Division Two or Division Three. Well, hello, we've got a lot of Division mm -hmm. One historically black colleges and universities in this country. And it doesn't matter what type of campus you're looking for. One of them will fit the bill. If you want to go to the South, if you want to go to the Northeast, if you want to be East Coast in the city, you have schools like Coppin State in Baltimore, Morgan State's also in Baltimore, Howard is in D.C. Right. If you want more of a country feel with a slow pace, they're there too. And whatever it is that you're looking for, you can find it if you look for an HBCU. Yeah, you know, I mentioned a little bit earlier, just the weekend that Jackson State has sort of uh, had, or the week, I should say, uh, Deion Sanders, their new head coach, and he gets his first win um, as a head coach at Jackson State University. And just the publicity that he's brought, not just, I think, the university, but the city of Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, Maker Maker over at, at Howard University and the attention that he's brought now. And I'm seeing that we're at a time right now where, you, like you mentioned, guys are saying, like, I can go to this university, but I, I need to have this university do more for me than I'm doing for them. And so I'm starting to see that a little bit more. And I think it's because we are having the attention and the exposure television wise that hopefully guys will start to see it. And the bigger names, I definitely see this can be something big for the future. And, and the truth of the matter is, when you're looking as an athlete to go to a school, you're trying to figure out what's the best fit for you. If you are someone who's trying to become a professional, then you're wanting to go someplace where you feel like the spotlight is going to be bright, right? Well, the reason why the spotlight is bright at these institutions is because of history and years of people pouring money into those institutions. So the television contracts are there, which then gives them more money. So it's like, it's cyclical. So if you can start to provide a platform where the HBCUs can get greater exposure, then people will start to pour money into those schools and then the TV contracts will come and everything will fall into place. So somebody just has to drop the first domino. And, and I will say that this past summer, you know, everyone keeps talking about like a racial reckoning in our country, whatever that means, because as we all know, we, there's a lot to be done as far as race, race relations go and equality and diversity in, in certain um, industries. 
But I will say this, you've seen billionaires start to put money into these HBCUs, right? Uh, Mackenzie Smith, Oprah Winfrey, who's done it before. I don't want to make Oprah sound like she's jumping on the bandwagon. Oprah has donated millions before to HBCUs, but she just re-upped recently uh, to Tennessee State and to Morehouse. Um, You have millions of dollars being put into these universities. And as far as I can recall, this is the first time where we've seen eight-digit donations going to these schools all at once. Those are game changers. And I'm really, really excited to see what's going to happen moving forward. Stephanie, we appreciate the time. We appreciate you you being front and center for this fantastic event. We look forward to more of it on NBA TV. And we look forward to you on Turner Sports Platforms for the rest of the season. Now that I feel like we're we're about to get a schedule, about to get the second half. Come on, live your life. Plan your life. Coming up. Coming up. I appreciate you guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. As we continue here on Forward Progress, hang with us. It's Jax, it's Kirk, and former NBA All-Star Theo Ratliff joins us next. Stay there. We now return to Forward Progress. Here's Jason Jackson and Kirk Morrison. We continue forward here on Forward Progress. Jason Jackson here, Kirk Morrison there. An absolute pleasure. To have NBA All-Star, three-time NBA shot block leader, the man who, you, you, listen, shot blockers, that, that, that was the calling card. Did some other yeah. things, but come yes, on. Sir. Yes, Send sir. Rock the other way. It's Theo Ratliff with us here on Forward Progress. My man, it's great to see you. Look yeah, forward to hearing about pleasure. some of the things you're up to now. But we're going to uh-huh. put it right on your plate a little bit earlier in the program. Uh, we were talking about uh, something that we just haven't seen. I, th- I think I saw a note that maybe it happened once. Uh, I think it was Lionel Hollins when he took over um, right. one of the times <laughs> in Memphis. <laughs> but um, just the, the oddest number one of uh, – well, first of all, we're used to seeing coaches be removed in the middle yes. of the season. But rarely do we see the replacement coming from outside with a long-term deal uh-huh. when there is a highly respected uh, up next on the ranks of hot assistants – to be a head coach sitting right there. Uh, your thoughts in your time surveying these scenes since the mid-90s, sir? Yeah, it, it, it made absolutely zero sense. I, I've never seen it done that way. Most of the time when a coach, coach gets uh, fired or they resign in the middle of the season, especially if you've got uh, associate head coach already mm-hmm. on the team, it's only natural for them to take over the position. So it made zero sense. And, you know, I commend Damon Lillard and, and McCullough and, and those guys for, for stepping up, you know, for the, for the guy because um, he was a long-time assistant with them and he's put in the work in the league, you know, for, for so long and, and have, have become one of the recognized assistant coaches next in line. To be in a head coaching position, it it and it's Minnesota at that. So it's not like you got a great team. Are you going out and it's it's Phil Jackson available? You know what I'm saying? You're going to get an assistant coach from another organization to come in and give them a long term deal in the middle of the season. I've never seen that. Never seen it done before. 
Yeah, they all. That's but, so happy to have to be a black man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes no sense. Yeah, it, it makes no sense. But you know, you're a longtime NBA veteran, though. So right. kind of take me into that locker room and that dynamic of as a player. What am I looking at now? It, obviously, they fired the coach that you've been in the war with all this season, a pandemic sort of year. Then all of a sudden, a new voice comes in. How do you think that they handle that part in a season in which, like you mentioned, they, I don't know if they're going to win a championship or not. They're one of the worst teams in the year. Yeah, no, 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 no. So how, how do you <laughs> handle better. this part? Yeah, how do you handle this but, part? Um, just, I mean, it, it just become a, a different dynamic. It, basketball is, is, is going to be basketball. I mean, they're over there trying to figure out whether they're up or down. They don't, right. they don't sideways. They don't, they don't have a clue uh, about what, what they're trying to do. We're similar into the uh, dysfunction of the, uh, the Hawks organization. I, I was before this group took over. It was just all over the place. You have no idea. Different, different head coaches and different things going on within the organization that disrupted the organization. Um, and I think it's, it's a lot of disruption because the guy they were expecting mm-hmm. to be in the position didn't get in the position. And, you, and you've created a whole another, opened up a whole nother can of worms um, that you have to speak on this every time, everywhere you go as a player. So it becomes a major distraction. The coach that's coming in got to try to come in and implement a whole new system. I mean, it, it, yeah. it, it, it's mind-boggling <laughs> to think why would you take that up? Wouldn't give the opportunity to the guy to at least coach through the season to, I mean, to see if it's a fit for the guys or if it just was that, like everybody's saying, it's just he liked the guy. He he knew the guy. They friends, and he wanted him as his coach. But you're not thinking about the players at all, to me, in the position that you're putting the players in, because that's going to be the constant question, like throughout the rest of this season, how are things going with the new coach, how you guys are just with the system. I mean, it, 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 instead of it being a continuation of what's already there, now you basically starting the season over as a player and trying to figure things out. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. And when I saw it, I was like, hold up, that makes zero sense. (laughs) 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 Well, like I said, when they, when you own the team, you have the ability to be able to do what you want to do. And he decided that was what he wanted to do. Cause I didn't, I didn't see anything else about, um, whether it was the front office that made that decision or, or the ownership, but they made, I mean, I think they made a mistake by doing that. And they're going to, they're going to actually take a lot of backlash for doing that. Well, they got it instantly and it hasn't stopped. Yeah. Uh, but exactly. uh, I'm sure they feel like they've made the right decision and continue to, to justify it. Um, yeah. the, the shifting gears a little bit. Uh, you were kind enough to help us out over on NBA radio. Yes. Uh, with our celebration of Black History Month. What's your overall feeling about how the league has evolved in that space of making sure uh, that particularly in this time, uh, the proper acknowledgement of our people and the accomplishments and, and, and major figures are, are at least given a tip of the cap this time of year? Well, I think, um, like I said, I think Adam is doing an excellent job of listening to the players 
and and giving them a leeway to express themselves and their feelings about um, just history, black history, history in, within the NBA. Um, like I said, the coaching situation is always something that's, that's been a challenge uh, for guys um, not being put in line when they were supposed to be put in line. Um, and, and then just, you know, um, addressing social injustice. Um, and, you know, now with, with the Black History Month, um, guys just being able to, to recognize the great leaders that we've had, you know, throughout our history um, and, and just touch on some of the things and how they've touched them in certain ways. And, you know, I've enjoyed hearing guys, you know, speak on, you know, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and, and some of the greats that um, helped us, you know, during the civil rights. You know, as much as those accomplishments, Theo, um, you know, we want to give you your flowers as well. Can you believe 20 years ago, you were an all-star. You were elected to the all-star back right. in 2001, man. Just, 2001. you know, those accomplishments, yeah. especially with this month. And I know you didn't get a chance to play in that game, but mm -hmm. what do you remember most about getting that honor and hearing that honor? Because we are during a week where we're talking about people who got snubbed and this and that, right, but right. You, you, you were selected, man. So when you think back to that honor, um, you know, just take me back to that part of your life. Um, I just think back you know, to the, to the journey. I mean, because you act, you can ask anybody about playing a game, you know, throughout their lives. It's always about that journey. And, and just me just, you know, reflecting, I was reflecting back to, you know, just, just my childhood and, and high school and just how I, how I came to be an all-star in the NBA, you know, which is like a dream come true for every basketball player to ever play the game. Um, it was, you know, surreal um, and, and, you know, an honor to be amongst, you know, top tier players in the league and, and knowing the battles that I had fought through from, from injuries to, to being from small towns and playing in small schools <laughs> um, and, and just that whole journey of all the different people that you, you think about and you, you've, um, uh, the naysayers, people say you you couldn't make it, and you constantly prove them wrong and prove them wrong and prove them wrong. Um, and just that ability to be able to be, you know, alongside my guy AI, you know, yeah. as a all star <laughs> on the team where we had the best record in the league at right. the time. So, um, it, like I say, it was bittersweet because I got injured, right. and you know, eventually got traded that year for the Kimbe, um, but. Um, knowing, you know, where we were heading as a team, um, we were, we were just scratch, scratching the surface, um, with the team that we had. And, you know, I, I look at our team similar to how the Thunder came along when they put KD and, and, and Westbrook and all those guys together and they started to mature and, and, and come into their own and then make the finals, you know, but then you, you have a breakup. You know, but but it was um, it, it was great, and, and like I said, I just uh, honor you know all my teammates, Aaron McKee, uh, Aaron, Eric Snow, and yeah. all these guys that I, I continue to work with, work work out with in the summer times, and and getting to know them, their families. Um, I say it's, it's just the, the total journey 
of all the people and, and all the situations that you go through, the ups and downs that you go through, and to meet that pinnacle, you know, as an all-star. So um, that that was the honor, you know, to know that I would never be able to get back to that honor again. Um, like I say, it, it makes you really welcome it the first time you get it. You, you really don't know what, what's going to happen, you know, after that. So um, that was just, you know, the pure, pure honor of being a part of the All-Star team. I want to take you further back mm-hmm. and let you tell us the story about the path from Alabama to Wyoming. <laughs> to Laramie, Wyoming. That, that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're, we're all the same age group. Yes. Recruiting was not the way it is now, right? Right. Putting in, right. Mixed tapes on Instagram and catching the yeah. coach's eye. No. So, uh, how, did, how did they find you? Well, they actually found me because um, – I, I was a big fan of uh, University of Alabama. I've never really been to a basketball camp, and I ended up going to a basketball camp. Perfect. My junior year at the University of Alabama, um, in which they were eh, kind of sort of recruiting me, but not really because I was a, a six, seven kid, six, six. No, actually, I was probably about six, six, five at that time. I was about six, five probably 140 pounds soaking wet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so they really wouldn't recruit. You had some growing to do still. I went in yeah. and, you know, just showed what I could do as a player in camp. And, of course, you know, their, um, my, my head coach was an assistant coach at the University of Alabama uh, years and years ago. So he sent his staff to work the camp. And that's how I kind of got discovered by Wyoming and, um, they saw me as a big piece of, of their program uh, moving forward. And uh, I had no idea they were recruiting the, the Mr. Basketball in Wyoming <laughs> to come to the school <laughs> as well um, and end up getting him. Um, but I saw it as a great opportunity when I looked at, you know, being able to actually play and not having to sit. Um right. I thought I would have a great opportunity to go out and play at least three years and be a starter there and, um, and further my career, get my education. And therefore, I made that decision once I went out there. It was a beautiful, beautiful place, far away from home. But I wasn't, my mother always taught us, you know, I mean, not to be afraid to, to go places and, 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 and explore different avenues in life. And so I was, I was ready to go, um, ready to be out on my own. So, you know, I made that trip to Laramie. <laughs> Big ups to Demopolis, Alabama. Am yeah, I saying that D-Mop, correctly? Demop. Demop, <laughs> baby. D-Mop. Yes, sir. If you can play, they'll find you anywhere. That's what right. I mean. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, sir. Exactly. Yes, sir. Thank now, you though. so much for the time, man. It's so good to see you. It's been, a, been too long. Yeah, man. Definitely. It's a pleasure, man. Absolutely. Leo Ratliff with us here on Forward Progress. Also, special thanks to Stephanie Redding for swinging by. Uh, Kirk, always a pleasure. Brother, we'll do it again next week. Absolutely, my man. Appreciate it, as always. Yes, sir. For our producer, Pernell Brown, uh, that's Kirk Morrison. I'm Jason Jackson. We'll talk to you next time.